Vince Cofield and Company. If you don't answer emails, you suck. Like, you're not even employable in my mind. I think the bottom line is we're all doing very well. Yes, very healthy. Very healthy. This is insane. Guys here every day. We've been doing a show together for like a better part of 15 years. We're like, eh, you gotta be careful around them. <laughs> Don't want to irk them. Right, Ari? It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Busy week on the way. We'll uh, certainly continue on the story of the day, which is Pete DeBoer fired after two weeks. We just saw him two weeks ago, addressed the media. He's like, yeah, I'd like to be back. And then we find out today, this morning, that he's been fired. Uh, in terms of the busy week, UNLV Athletics Hall of Fame induction ceremony is back after a few years off. They're going to be doing that this weekend. You can actually go. The event will be in the Strip View Pavilion right there at the Thomas & Mac. Fantastic New venue, UNLVTickets.com is, is where you get the tickets and the cutoffs today. So going in, Rebel Legends, uh, running Rebel Legends, or Rebel Legends, but running Rebel Legends, Anderson Hunt, Wink Adams, uh, Amanda Bingson, Olympian, is going in. We're going to hopefully talk to her in about 30 minutes. Ryan Wolf, you know, former uh, Rebel football player, all-time leading receiver. He's going in. Slew of others going in as well, and we're going to try to get Wolf later in the week. I think he's uh, he's all teed up for Thursday, so good times. We're getting back to big events and Hall of Fames, and I don't know if you saw it uh, yesterday. You know, we've got multiple in town, the uh, Bolitnikov tournament, which is a great one, and also Coaches versus Cantor is back. So we had your guy Brad Underwood on Friday. Oh, yeah. He had, some, he had some good stuff to say on, uh, on NAL and the transfer portal, so he's not messing around. He's a legend. Uh, Great coach. Yeah, he basically he he basically came across with a message. Let's stop whining about it. We'll come up with some rules when we come up with some rules. But for now, you just got to deal with it. Well, I first of all, as a big school, that's what he should say. Like they should have a big budget, and they should be stealing guys from smaller programs. It's part of the game right now until they come up with yeah. some rules to stop it. I know you're very upset about it. Very upset. Not you upset. like you like your college sports, like uh, you know, thirty years ago, players don't get anything. That's not true. I want players to get a lot. I just I don't I don't want them to just be bought from other schools. It's very weird. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. What is going on with Drew Brees? Is he? I don't know. He sent out a weird tweet, and then uh, I didn't even know he was a candidate to be dropped by NBC. But apparently, they they gave him a one year chance. This is absurd. They gave him one year, and I guess they're moving on. I think he'll get a job somewhere else. I think he still has potential. But then, I don't know. He's not a heat-of-the-moment tweeter, do you think? Or social media guy. No, but I... But he sent out this weird social media message. It sounds like he was kind of disputing the reports that NBC had gotten rid of him, but I like I think that's oh, like true. The ball, was in, the ball was in his court. It's not their decision. It's mine. No, like, not even, like that he's not even gone. Oh. Like I, I've, I have no idea what's going on. But as you said, there's a report that came out that said he's out at NBC, no longer going to be part of the broadcast. He then tweeted out, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. Like basically, like mocking the fact that there's all this speculation. Now, of course, the per- the part, even though it was buried right in the middle, like squarely in the middle intentionally, I think, it was, 
Drew Brees is coming back because he said, I, might, I may play football. First of all, he didn't say NFL. Hmm. Um, could be in the FCF, that fan control football. Who knows what he's going to do? But immediately, it was, oh, coming back. He's coming back. Dennis Allen was asked about it. He's like, I think he was joking. Yeah. Like, I think that it was all a joke. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but it does sound like he is going to be gone from NBC. Um, Do you understand that? So uh, the guy from the New York Post, Marshan, said that, one, the decision was mutual, which doesn't sound like it right now, but um, that Breeze preferred calling the games over doing the studio work. While NBC had soured on Breeze as a color commentator. Yeah, like he's not he, very good. He stays. What do you, what do, you uh, do? Did he, he did what? Freaking 15 games combined with NFL and Notre Dame? Yeah, he's out. That's he's it? Stays. One year? Come on, that's ridiculous. You can tell. You can tell. He's not, no, he's you not can't, good. You can't tell. Uh, he also sent out a tweet. Man, signing Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew makes me want to come back and play again. Great additions. Leaders and players. Wait, what? Did he? Yeah. Wait, after this one? Yeah. Or, stop. Yeah. So now he's just stirring the pot. I think so. He's not coming back. I don't think he is. It it it, it seems very unlikely, especially with Peyton gone. If Peyton was still there, I would think maybe that's possible. But I, I just don't I don't see it happening. I don't think it's going to be true. I, I think he's joking. But it's it's pretty weird. Um, the ESPN just... NFL reporter Dan Graziano talked about the Saints and how committed they are to Jameis Winston. They felt like, you know, the year he spent as a backup to Breeze and working with Sean Payton and in that system, you know, that, that, that he fixed some things in terms of ability to take care of the ball that cost him, obviously, when he was in Tampa. Uh, so they have high hopes for him, assuming he comes back from the injury and in time to start week one to see what Jameis can do at this point in his career. Still a young player, uh, incredibly talented, and they were winning games with him at quarterback last year. So, so they're excited. Eyes light up. He loves him some Jameis Winston. Yeah, stay the hell away, Drew. Go do something. <laughs> else. Join the pickleball tour, Drew. With respect. Now we know the real this reason. This is Jameis's team. Adam was like, this is in the big five. Absolutely. I demand it. So you can go off on Drew Brees and back your guy. Jameis's team now. Number four. NBA final is both out. That sucks. Terrible ratings. Well, because the NBA is so, is so star-laden and, and has had this a weird layer of injuries over the last couple of years. We're still waiting on a bunch of teams to come back, be healthy. We just talked about it with John Von Tobel. Like the Clippers were basically not the Clippers this year. The Nets were kind of this weird mix of, you know, who's going to play, who's not. And then the whole COVID thing with, uh, with Kyrie Irving, but sitting there waiting for, you know, the NBA in a nice position is golden state healthy, you know, kind of a, with some new guys in the mix, kind of appearing to be what they were, you know, two and three years ago. Well, two, listen, if you talk about a story, two yeah. years ago, we were one of the worst teams in the league. Three and four years ago. Three, four, and five years ago. We were one of the worst teams in the league. We. From out what of, are we doing? From we? out of nowhere, from out of nowhere, this team go. has risen to great heights. Yeah. This is an unbelievable Cinderella story. It's not. The scrap heap, two years ago, one of the worst teams in the entire league. I sat multiple times. In our new arena at the Chase Center for $50 in club-level seats. Mm. Just enjoying this sparkly new venue with a terrible team on the court. Rags to riches. And I sat there and watched, and I said, you know what? I feel like it's going to be something. And all of a sudden, a couple of guys mm. add to the mix, and we're right there. Rags to riches. 
How, well, can, how can anybody not watch and support and be thrilled for this team? The uh, the Suns are out. What are they? The third best regular season record to not make it to the conference finals. That's pretty incredible. They had a, a great regular season, but matchups didn't play out for them. And Chris Paul suddenly got really old, and Pat Beverly decided to freaking body slam CP3 on ESPN. CP3, is he going to be a Hall of Fame? No question about it. Yeah. Right? No question about it. Do guys in the NBA go to sleep early the night before playing the Phoenix Suns? Hell no. No. I'm going to Stake 44 over there in Phoenix. I'm mm. going to have me a nice little wine, probably sweat it out, and uh, the pregame shoot around and get ready for Chris Paul. Steph Curry, I'm going, I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock. Mom, don't call me. My girl, don't call me. I don't, I'm, I'm locked in right now. It's, not, it's, it's, it's two different monsters. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. Don't call me. Now, longtime media member Matt Barnes came out over the top and was not happy with this sort of media analysis from one Patrick Beverly. As reporters, you know, part of the media, we have a job to be critical, but I think there's a, a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. And Pat Beverly's talking like he's that guy. You're not that guy. Plain and simple. Chris Paul played terrible this series, and his numbers are still better than your career numbers have ever been. Okay, so be professional. Don't annihilate someone. And then Matt Barnes, who, by the way, has barely been in the media, so I don't know who he's speaking for. Um, then at the end, he takes a shot. At Beverly. Well, now who can Pat, who can Matt Barnes criticize? I don't know what does that mean. Well, you can only criticize people that are. Oh, they have to be worse than you. Yeah. You think that's what he was saying? Yeah. He kind of did say it at the end. Yeah. Um, I will also I'll, I would jump in on Matt Barnes probably with some people in between because I don't want to get you know punched in the face. But um, yeah, Beverly's not a member of the media. No, he's, just, he's yeah, not. He's, he doesn't have to go in like he's not on the beat. He doesn't really have to show Chris Paul respect, so. Well, even if, I mean, I think I, I think it was it was over the top and it was disrespectful. But keep in mind, you're also you're going into the freaking belly of the beast. You're on first take, right? So, like, I won't make any comments about people they've hired in the past, you know, who haven't delivered. But he goes in there for free, and he I mean, he gave us something to talk about. But yeah, I don't think Matt Barnes needs to lecture. Um, and especially then he goes right back to being Matt Barnes and continues to kill Beverly. Chris is a 12-time All-Star. He played terrible. First time, All-Defense nine times, seven times first-team All-Defense. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Pat Bev and I were similar type role players. They don't talk about us when we go. They're going to talk about CP3 when he's done. And I just think the disrespect we saw earlier today on the ESPN show need to be checked because he was way out of pocket. Okay, way out of pocket. Well, I'm just trying to find out if Matt Barnes or Pat Bev had a better career. I, would, I mean, Barnes. You're very stuck on this. I am. Uh, because, well, you can't, obviously, you can't criticize somebody that's better than you. Uh, that's a rule. We learned that. I think, if you, pre- I think if you pressed him on that, he would say that's not what I meant. I think it's exactly what he meant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, he got caught up in, hey, let me destroy Pat Beverly back by saying you're nowhere close to the guy you're criticizing. Then almost, there's really, there's very few NBA analysts who could go in on most of the league. Right, like certain players are untouchable because they're better than anybody that's been speaking. That's it's a silly concept, yeah. first of all, and um, like this is. By the way, you should have opinions and you should offer them, whether whether they're right or not. Like you, if you're going to make appearances or be in the media, like Barnes in the media and Beverly's just yeah. making an appearance. But have at it. If you're going to be in there, if you're going to if you're going to offer your opinion, it should probably be pretty strong. I believe, like don't don't make it up and don't don't. Make a you know a fake opinion just to just to get attention, but if you have an opinion, express it. There's no problem with that.
number three. So Pete DeBoer is out as the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. I know there's a lot of fans who are probably happy about that. Don't like, you know, see someone lose their job. You like DeBoer, right? Oh, yeah. And you even said last week, you're like, I can't wait to talk to that guy, you know, when things have calmed down and really get his take on what happened here. Although based on Kelly McCrimmon saying, hey, we're still good friends. Maybe maybe he won't. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, like, like that was – and obviously the, the Gerard Gallant situation was very different. But I very, very much enjoyed, you know, sitting down with Gerard this year and kind of going back over it. So I, I think the same thing about DeBoer in a couple of years, going back over his time and what he thought about the end and what he thought about working here and, and getting his true thoughts on things, I think will be very interesting with DeBoer. And, and how – especially how – like, there was some other stuff behind the messaging – was a big thing with this team. And there was some other stuff behind the scenes that happened this year uh, that were that were pretty crazy uh, in terms of just how they were trying to get messages out there. And I, I think part of his frustration, it was clear in, in what he said, he you know, bad choice of words with Leonard is healthy. He wasn't. Um, and DeBoer acknowledged that. But I think there was other times that he said things that were trying to relay a message that he didn't really believe in necessarily. And those are the kind of things I, I definitely look forward to talking to him about. Like how, you know, how, you know, different players were handled in terms of injuries and that sort of thing is very interesting. How cap was managed, that that sort of stuff. Um, all of that is going to be really interesting to talk to him about in a couple of years when things die down a little bit. Number two. A couple of stories over the weekend, uh, one very serious, one interesting note uh, about the Raiders. Hmm. That Rams lawsuit apparently had a bit of a snitch in there that the league may have been pushing for the Raiders to be the replacement team in St. Louis and most damning in this with, quote, restructured ownership. What? Yeah. We don't quite know what that means. Restructured would suggest that Mark Davis still would have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't have been a forced sale of any sort. And part of the lawsuit also said, or part of the story about the potential issue also said uh, that it kind of got poo-pooed because Mark Davis wanted nothing to do with it. So that would suggest that they were going to at least put in like other, you know, have him sell part portions of the team or something along those lines, not necessarily force him out but that the Raiders were going to be essentially kind of forced to move to St. Louis. Is How justify doing either one? Well, Moving into St. Louis and somehow reducing ownership stake for Mark Davis. That's, out, that's outrageous. That's why it didn't happen. Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. But, but, the- but again, if, it, if it's true, it does show the lack of respect that some of the other owners and maybe Goodell have for Mark Davis. I mean, I, I you remember when, when it was announced that the Raiders weren't getting L.A. I'm like, I'm not even a Raiders guy or really a Mark Davis guy, but I was like outraged that day. I'm like, I cannot believe this nonsense. Yeah. And then it worked out for him. He got the, you know, deal of a lifetime from Nevada and from Clark County and Vegas. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I with all the problems the league has, let's change up the ownership mix with that team. No. No. Yeah. How about no? That was that was the Mark Davis answer. Like, good. No, good for him. We'll pass. Uh, Can you imagine if they had moved? Freaking Oakland to St. Louis. Well, and, and also keep in mind, like they're not trying to do this like this year. Right. Uh, this is when Oakland and make no mistake, like part of them moving here was they were struggling in Oakland. Mm-hmm. They didn't have cash. Mm-hmm. They had to, you know, make the, the Khalil Mack trade 
yes, it you know got them a lot of picks, and you know they did what they did with them. But like it was in part, at least from what we understand, that they didn't have the cash to sign Khalil Mack to a long term deal and put that money in escrow. Like they just yeah. didn't have it. They were operating kind of like a minor league organization in terms of not having that kind of funding, and obviously the stadium wasn't helping them there, and, and they got a great deal here that has changed a lot of that. And Mark Davis, like, part of what his, is looked at, as you said, you know, kind of the lack of respect is, for the most part, other teams are bought by people that have a ton of money. The Raiders were like a small business that rose through the family, and their money is in the Raiders. Like, it's not like he was successful outside of this. Right. This is his whole life. And that's a very rare business model in the sports world. And I think a lot of a lot of people around the NFL, owner-wise, will look at that and say that's, you know, that he's an outsider and that he maybe not, is not part of the club. I, I can't get going on this. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it annoys me so much. I know. Well, it's good it's, for us. It totally does. End. No, I'm not, 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 I'm not flipping out. Uh, top story on the way back. Blockbuster story in the New York Times. We see this come out on Friday about all this dysfunction in the Raiders organization, especially going back to Oakland. Was there really anything that was earth-shattering or could get Mark Davis in a lot of trouble in that story? It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. We saw the final two seasons and really the lack of arm strength. And I know the conventional thought may be, well, his arm rested this past year, but he also didn't train to keep the body as good as it could. Or I'm assuming he did not do that while getting into TV. So I think it's unlikely that he comes back in as a player and tries to get one more season in. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. We really don't do this right, do we? What's this? Sports radio. Like, should we be flipping out that there's a quarterback battle now in New Orleans and Drew Brees is coming back to save the Saints? That was Dan Orlovsky addressing Drew Brees' weird statement that he is undecided on what he was going to do this next season. Meanwhile, NBC was already deciding that he's out. I say go ahead and come back and lose the job. That'd be great. And he throws out, Drew Brees threw out there, you know, I, I, maybe I play. To which you said what? Dennis Allen, the new coach, is like, I think he was kidding. Yeah, and Dennis Allen knows Drew Brees isn't winning that job. And I like Dan Orlovsky, but if the best nugget we can come up with is that he might not be in good shape, I'm, I'm sure he could get in, into shape for August. Probably. Yeah, I think his arm will be okay. It wasn't good at the end of, the, end of his career to begin with. but James does need, need a backup. Uh, you would love to see that. Great. Can you imagine Brees comes back? It's a 50-50 battle. He loses the job. Yeah. He's the backup for the Saints. It'll be a good spot for him. Vinny, Vinny Testaverde, Steve DeBerg of t- 2022. Sure, collect a paycheck. That'd be nice. Uh, Raider story in the New York Times. Uh, this was a story I think they worked on for a long time, right? Yeah, I've heard anywhere from six to nine months. Okay. Um, I saw a lot of defense of Mark Davis saying, well, you know, Davis had all, – all I saw was that Davis had a bunch of people under him who, you know, weren't managing the money the right way and, you know – he pushed him out. I mean, it, it described dysfunction. It doesn't look like anything illegal. Tell us what was in the story. Was there any sort of blockbuster in terms of the like the Ventrelli end of it? Lot- where Dan Ventrelli walks away, or he didn't walk away, he got fired, uh, and then he comes out and says, hey, sexual, um, check that, uh, hostile work environment and troubling place for women to work, do they have more backing of that? 
So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit like behind the curtains of what like a, what it is uh, journalistically. Where, as I said, they're they're working on the story for from six to nine months from from what I've been told, and then the Ventrelli stuff happens right before they go to publish. Hmm. That's a nightmare. It is. It's, that's a disaster, especially if none of that is covered. If you didn't unearth any of that in your story. Yeah, and so I. Then where the hell do you go? So I obviously heard this was coming out. Um, like right before I went to publish, I waited. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. And read the first 10 paragraphs. And it was for, for somebody who, you know, tries to write for a living. I I was reading it and I was like, man, they're doing a good job setting this up for like 10 paragraphs. I was like, like, oh my gosh, what is going to be in this story? And then I got to the end and I was like, I kept scrolling and I looked, I was like, is there, is there a part two? Is there like Where's the, like, where's the beef of the story? I never, I never got to it. And, and then I realized like it was done and I said, this is, this is weird. Now, as you said, a couple of things like poorly managed business. Yeah. I don't think many people dispute that over there. They're like, they're getting their stuff in order. And I think it's a kind of a new era here in, in Las Vegas and kind of starting things over. Um, one the, the part, there was a part of the story that made me laugh, uh, like a major part of the story is that employees in the building are many of them are upset that game days you work you know 14 hour days and don't get paid overtime for it I, I did I laughed I was like what you, you work in the NFL you didn't expect to work long days on game days like isn't that the like don't you understand that's like kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the job I, I I I was floored yeah by that um but the, but at, you know there is there's something there, as, as they said in there, hey, six executives of the six of the top eight in the last couple of months have been mm-hmm. gone. Like, there there definitely are things. But basically what this story did is said, hey, there's something going on. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what is it? And it, it didn't really get there. The part where, you know, it was so mismanaged that at some point somebody forgot to pay the electric bill and the power went off, which sounds hilarious. But then you realize, like, at that time they kind of had three offices where they had the Oakland office or the Alameda office. They had the Vegas one that was under construction, and then they had like a temporary, like side office where they were kind of running things, and that's where it happened. Um, so some of those things for sure are in there, but I I just didn't. I'm not saying that there's nothing there. And full disclosure, like obviously we're working on this too, but um, you know it's it's it it didn't. There's no there, there didn't really seem to be anything there for this bombshell that seemed to be going on the internet. Like whoa, Raiders! Like yeah, what? What? I I never never found that in the story. Yeah, an HR person, Nicole Adams, who was with the organization for almost five years, she said, if anyone complained, they were let go. So. I mean. So the NFL is going to have to look at that. Sure. Well, what were they complaining about? Right. (laughs) Is it all retribution? You just dump anyone who has any sort of complaint? Yeah. Or are there people like, I I don't want to get into the specifics of. You know, people that left, but like, are were you let go for? Think about your own office places, and like sometimes people are let go for just not being good at their job. They're like, oh, they got rid of me for for this. Like, no, they didn't. And I'm listen. I'm not saying that's what's happening there. I'm saying in your own jobs where you are, if somebody gets let go, would they say, yeah, I just wasn't very good at my job, or would they say they got rid of me because? You know, I said that the management was bad, and so they got rid of me. Like, I, I, I don't know. 
More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. And a looper out to left field. That's a base hit. What is it? Here comes Herrera heading home. The throw to the plate by Taylor is offline. It's a two-run single for Bryson Stott. And the Phils take a 2-0 lead. It ends at 0 for 13. Line drive. Caught by Bryson Stott. What a play. He used every bit of his height and then more to reel that one in. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. There you go. Some highlights from a hometown hero, Bryson Stott, UNLV, a true local with the Phillies. Quick rise up, and now with uh, D.D. Gregorius down, he's gotten some extra playing time, so he had a a solid weekend. Uh, UNLV is going to be inducting a new class into its Athletic Hall of Fame coming up this weekend on Saturday. Last chance to get tickets is today. UNLVtickets.com, UNLVtickets.com. It's in the Strip View Pavilion. One of the inductees is another Rebel hero and an Olympian in Amanda Bingson, and she joins Steve and Adam here on this Monday. How are you? Good. How are y'all doing? We're pretty good. We're pretty good. We got a lot to get into, and uh, I don't think we've had you on before. So uh, some of the uh, background stuff you may get tired of talking about. You know your history, but we want the uh, the audience that you know isn't familiar with you to. To learn yeah. more more about you. Um, so first of all, uh, tell us your reaction. You know, not all of us get to go into a Hall of Fame. This is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely shocking because uh, you know, like a couple of my uh, friends I met along the circuit in competing in track and field, they were getting inducted into their university Hall of Fame. Nice. Oh, man, that'd be really cool if I could do it. <laughs> like one day, maybe, hopefully, hopefully, I was good enough. And then to finally get that call, I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, yay. You had to know, once you learned UNLV had a Hall of Fame, you had to know you were going into it. Man, I was I was just trying to get my my photo up in the locker room, honestly, when I was going out. <laughs> so what what is your, I guess, you know, if it's more than one, that's fine. But what like what are your, your memories of competing at UNLV? What do you take away from your career there? Oh, my gosh. Um, just being able to make it. You know, UNLV isn't known for their track and field throw program and let alone throwers. You know, no one really knows what the hammer throw is. And so, you know, having to deal with that and getting it kind of recognized and the, the team that I had at the time, you know, there was only three of us on the team in the throws program at UNLV. And so to be able to kind of move it along and get the name out there and represent, you know, UNLV in the national world standings is just really awesome. And I couldn't have done it without the girls that I was with. What was your specialty before the hammer? Uh, the discus, okay, which has nothing to do with the hammer. <laughs> it's completely like not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, like, for people that don't understand like track though, like I think most people would just be like, Oh, you're just throwing things. Like they're very, very different though. Yeah. So you have the, the discus, which is like a Frisbee of sorts. The shot put, which is what pretty much everyone knows, is the the ball that you throw, <laughs> and then you have the javelin, which is pretty iconic because it's a stick, and you know it's in all the movies. And then the hammer throw is just, you know, a shot put on a wire, and you spin around a couple times, and hopefully it goes far. <laughs> <laughs> Were you good right away when you tried it? Oh God, no, 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 no! It didn't take me. It took me about the better part of a year to finally figure it out because. Like I said, in comparison to the shot put and discus, it's completely different. 
and there is nothing that can compare or help you because it's all timing and you're going in opposite direction than what you normally are. Like if you're a righty, you turn left and you don't, it's not about strength. It's all technique. And so I didn't really figure it out until the end of my freshman year when happenstance, I ended up breaking the school record that meet, but, (laughs) and it was that I was just like, Oh, Hey, I finally figured it out. So you, you you pick it up, you finally start you know throwing in events in what like two thousand nine, and then you're into two thousand twelve Olympics. Just talk about that that time period and how quickly things developed. Oh my god, it went it was insane. Going from you know not even being able to get it out of what we call the cage or the the area in which we throw to being able to qualify for the Olympic standards is just so mind blowing, and it just you know it all happens really fast because you're. You know, you're just trying to get through the next day. You know, you're hurting, you're getting sore from practice, and you're just trying to make it through the next day. And the next thing you know, you know, you're at the Olympic trials, and you're like, holy heck, (laughs) now we're here. Like, what do we do now? (laughs) The voice of Amanda Binkson, who will go into the UNLV Hall of Fame, more importantly, Silverado alum, like myself. Is there a Silverado Hall of Fame? No. I No. But I still talk to them. They're still doing really good. The... uh, track program over at Silverado for them Skyhawks. Well, you know, uh, you know, my partner here, Adam Hill, op- basically helped open the school. Sure. And at the time, sure. uh, the athletics were just. Were you guys good at anything? Uh, no, no, <laughs> not really. We, yeah. we were pretty Adam, bad. Adam was a, a. He had the look of a good offensive lineman, but didn't have the aggressiveness. No. Not at all. And would just get destroyed. So I was the, the, thank God the good athletes came along eventually at Silverado. Yeah, I would like I would like crush it in the drills and then they'd be like, Go hit that guy. I'm like, No. They'll hit a like, pad. I don't want to hurt someone. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work well in football. And by the way, the rest of the team wasn't much better. So no. it was not good early in the days of Silverado. Much better uh when, when Amanda came around. Uh yeah. it helped helped out the uh, the sports programs there. Um I like this is a ridiculous question, but maybe it's not. Like watching hammer throws, I think mm-hmm. even not falling down is an accomplishment. You're just spinning around like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, like the first couple of times I wanted to quit. I was like, <laughs> "Nah, dude, this isn't for me. Like I'm gonna fall. I just don't want." And then you got to deal with the wires breaking and snapping. What? Oh my god. <laughs> we had a couple of them where we'd get concussions because we would what? fall and just hit our heads so hard on the concrete. Oh. Like it, it is brutal. And then I actually, while I was competing, I actually broke my back at university throwing the hammer because of how much of a torque you do and how much pressure it puts on it. Like it is is insane, which is why they only do it at university and not in high school. Well, when, I mean, you talked about you, you know, you were in some other, other events and and you were a thrower, but at what point as, as an athlete, did you realize like, Oh, I'm a very, very good athlete. Like I'm going to be very good at this or at something uh, at what point in your she life did laughs, you know that? I think, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because I grew up, uh, my my parents owned a construction company out in Las Vegas, and so my dad would always put me in the in the labor part of it, like pouring concrete and doing stuff. So I've always been very physical in that aspect. And then, of course, growing up in Vegas, you get that kind of competitive drive that you're always competing. <laughs> and so I've always been that way in every asset, not even just in sports, like just everything, like got to be the best you got to get it first you know time is money we got to you know if you're going to do it do it right kind of a sense <laughs> and then the athletics was just purely you know i just want something to do that trouble 
stay off that strip strip life. <laughs> when, you know what I mean? When you get to the Olympics, what what's it like when you know this is no dig on you, but there's there are megastars who show up at the Summer Olympics and have been there, you know, time and time again. They're promoted by the T V network. Like what was it like for you? Did you start looking around and you're like, Oh my god, there's so and so and so and so? Oh man, I started playing a game about it. Yeah. Like I had a whole list of people that I were gonna find in the Olympic Village and I was just going out hunting for them. <laughs> I was I was like find this person i'm stalking them on the twitter figuring out where they're yeah, at so yeah. i can you know casually just happen to show up at the same time and <laughs> you know slow get a picture maybe you know so it was just it was so surreal because with making the team in 2012 i wasn't even supposed to make the team because right. you have to hit uh, a specific distance in order to even qualify and prior to the olympic trials i hadn't even come close to that that distance and then it just happened that that day I had a really great day, qualified, and then ended up making the team. And so I was just like, holy hell. And then, of course, that was my first meet outside of university. Hmm. So it was just a huge rush because we're going from university track meets where there's maybe a handful of people plus all the parents and you know friends and family to – the Olympics where it's the entire world. And of course it's track and field, which is the most viewed event of the game. You know, so there, there's no pressure at all. <laughs> I, I remember hearing that story. I just want to follow up on that, you know, having an, an unbelievable day at the trials. Like when mm-hmm. you, like when you wake up, do you feel something different? Or when you warm up, do you feel something like, did you just, did you feel something different that day? No, I didn't actually. It was so funny because when I was, competing i didn't feel good like at all like every time i would throw we would i would release what we call release the hammer and let it go and something just all it just didn't feel right like i was missing it and then i would see the distance i was like well heck yeah (laughs) and then it kind of gave me that like man what happens if i actually start feeling good and like really feeling it like how much further would it go so it kind of gave me that added you know, excitement to continue. UNLV Hall of Fame inducting a new class this weekend. It's on Saturday. You can still get tickets. UNLVtickets.com, Strip View Pavilion. You're hearing the voice of Amanda Binkson, who is a uh, former Rebel and an Olympian. So what do you do now to kind of fill that need, you know, the competitive juices? What do you do? Oh, man. Well, so I lucked out. I'm actually a, a paramedic now working on an ambulance. And so kind of getting into that, using that, I wouldn't say it's so much competitive, but it's that excitement and getting it going kind of a thing, having to work out different problems. Doing that has definitely, I've carried a lot of what I've learned over in track and field and in athletics into that profession. You know, the most common, take it till you make it. If you don't know what you're doing, just, you know, keep going until you figure it out and it'll all work out. <laughs> it, it is, like, interesting. Like, you know, you talk to former basketball players or softball or, like, what, any sport, and you're like, well, you can find an adult league. Or, there's no, like, adult hammer throw, <laughs> yeah, throw like, hammer recreational leagues, right? Like, there's, there's well, no way to do there that. is a senior event. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm about oh, – oh, shoot. How old am I now? Gosh. 32? 32? Yeah. God. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm about three years out until I can qualify for this, for the senior game. As they say, and you still want to, you still want to do it. You still want to do it. Well, I still got all my hammer throwers, okay. and I still got all my shoes and everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. you never know. I never officially retired from the sport, so uh-uh. who knows? Well, I you did a lot of cool things over time, uh, but one of the coolest things you did, I think, 
and you can tell us, was the ESPN the body issue. And I have no idea if anyone brings it up anymore. <laughs> that was like one of the freaking coolest thing. As someone who's never been in shape or yoked, um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool to see people who do it. So what was that experience like? Uh, it was so rad, honestly, just because, uh, you know, like growing out in Vegas, it's always you see the billboards and the pretty women and all these skinny people and, you know, the idea of beautiful and pretty out in Vegas. And then to, like, get on, have the opportunity to do that and just be naked. And I'll be honest, like, I enjoy being naked. I ain't ashamed of it. I'm pretty <laughs> <laughs> I, well, that, 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 <laughs> I was going to say that has to help because I'm sure there are other people who are like, man, I do not feel comfortable right now. Oh, yeah. But I think growing out in Vegas and like being exposed to that kind of thing all the time, like looking at a naked body for me is just it, it's oh. not really anything, which really helped me when I went overseas because, you know, they are a lot more free willing <laughs> than they are in the States. <laughs> so it definitely helped me out on that aspect. But to be able to have that opportunity to do it is just you know, crazy. But of course, you know, looking back on it, when you're raising a, especially a, a girl out in Vegas, you never want naked pictures of her all over the internet. So when I had to tell my dad, he was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to have naked pictures of my daughter all oh, no. over the internet. I'm like, yeah, but it's for a good thing, dad. It's a good thing. How did he, re- how did he react when it came out? Secretly, he was very, very proud. Good. But of course, he wouldn't admit, because, you know, yeah. he doesn't want to, both to all of his friends be like, oh, yeah, look at my daughter. Here, here, here she is. You know, you know me just butt-ass naked. <laughs> When's the last time you were uh, back at uh, campus at UNLV? Ooh, I was there, oh, my goodness, probably about two years ago. I was, uh, my, I'm newly engaged, and so I was bringing my fiancé out there to, you know, see Vegas because he had never been. And so I kind of showed him around snuck onto the track, the track, and, uh, you know, showed him around my old stomping grounds. He'd never been to Vegas. Yeah, he had never been to Vegas. He was born and raised Texas boy. Wow. And what do you think? He thought it was very interesting. (laughs) You know, (laughs) know, like I said, big old country boy and everything else like that. So to come into Vegas where it's 24-7 everything and all the lights and everything, we went to – the uh, Golden Knights hockey game, and you know he really, really enjoyed it. So I was excited because we got to, you know, got to share him a little bit more of that Vegas lifestyle. <laughs> so you are you are in Texas. I am. Yep. What is, what is that adjustment like to from Vegas to Texas? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I tell you what, the first it took me about six months when I first moved here. I was like, man, how what is these people are so weird. Like people are talking. Like what is going on? Everyone's so laid back, and it's just such a culture shock when I first got here because you know Vegas. It's we're always moving, we're always going, and you know everything's twenty four seven. And then the first time I went out to you know Austin, they're like, "Oh, last call." Yeah, like what the hell's the last call? What does that mean? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> Well, Amanda, congrats on this honor, and, and certainly we haven't had a chance to talk before. Congrats on all your achievements with the uh, the Olympics and on the sports side of things. Thank you so much, and enjoy the induction ceremony. Thank you. Thank you. I will. I appreciate y'all. There she is, Amanda Binkson. She said y'all? 
Amanda. She's totally adjusted. You're, no, no, you're, you, you're. You could hear. You could hear the accent. She she was doing it throughout. What's the problem? What are we doing? You would do the same thing. She's a Vegas girl. You this would is, do the same no, thing. No, wherever not. you move, you would have. You would have a southern accent. <laughs> There's no chance. <laughs> you would lose it. No. What are you're we a chameleon. Doing? That's how you blend in. That's probably true. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So Adam was talking about going to uh, Lovers and Friends. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. The festival here in town, last couple days. I saw someone asked you, you missed out on Usher, Luda, Lil John. Yeah. You not, did. Not true. Okay. Uh apparently I think the not schedule true. Not the, true. Well, I think the schedule might have tweaked a little bit from day to day. And oh, okay. he was saying on Saturday he had to choose between those three were kind of they kind of did a show, they kind of rotated and then performed some songs together. Uh, so they were all together as one uh, one group. Um and I think he said that conflicted with Jodeci on Saturday. It did not. Like I, I staked out the Jodeci stage about an hour early yesterday because uh, I wanted to make sure I saw them. And then uh, they were at 7.30, and Usher, Luda, and John were at 9.30. How so. dark was it outside when Jodeci came on? It was like it was sunset. It was like right around sunset. So people, were you wearing sunglasses? Could they see your tears? Uh, well, Devontae didn't did get, show up. Did you get misty uh, Devontae didn't show up, which is a little, a little weird, <laughs> um, especially because like in the middle of the song, they were like, Devontae, and like, oh, he's not here. Uh, so that was weird. But Someone else said, I felt bad for Juvenile, and no one singing along. Yeah, I will say, I mean, that first of all, I, I didn't get much of Juveniles because I think I was at, uh, somebody was at the same time that I really wanted to see, um, and I, I can't remember who was conflicting with him, yeah. but I saw him from far away, and it seemed like that... One of the coolest moments, and I mean, this is you know obviously personal because I uh, love Biggie and a lot of people do too. Mace uh, did Mo Money Mo Problems, and then he just held the microphone out, and the entire crowd, like thirty thousand people, whatever was there at that time, wrapped Biggie's verse all together. It was mm-hmm. like an awesome moment. That was really cool. You said there are also sobering moments though, where uh, some of the artists have gotten a little bit old and they can't yeah. exactly perform the way they used to. So and what happened? Well, I don't want to. There's one that I was telling you. I don't want to call her out because I actually heard she had some health problems that may have led to it. Yeah. Um. But like, yeah, she was not. Well, you mentioned T Pain earlier. The heat got to him. Oh yeah. yeah. He was having a tough time. And he was joking about it though. Not everyone can dance like they could 25 years ago. Well, and especially like some when they, during the day, huh? it was like 103 on the stage. It was nuts out there. So how how did you get in? Did you pay for this? Yeah. Did you pay like 300 dollars to get in? Uh, I got I got a deal. Oh my god. I scoured uh, a lot of the uh, resale sites for like three days. How old was the crowd? Was it all ages? It was actually. I, I was expecting older, and actually, I was just, I was just reading a pretty long Facebook post during the break. Yeah. Somebody was like, "Hey, look, you can't have you can't have a festival targeted to like thirty five to forty five, yeah. and even a little slightly older, right? When it's one hundred and three with no chairs or shade or water, or water." Yeah. Uh, they did give away free water yesterday in the VIP section. I don't know about the regular yeah. section. Um. But I heard they ran out the night before. Yeah. Um, there was people passing out everywhere. And yeah, you I, said you saw people passing out all over the place. All what over the, the hell? place. It was it was And then nuts. we got like, you know, first responders like Amanda Bingson who was just on rushing in to help. Oh yeah. It was and you'd be like, Oh wait, what's going on? Oh well, yeah, another person passed out over there. It went down. Uh it, Adam's uh, like, I'm fine, I got sunscreen <laughs> on and my shoes still have like 
An eighth of the soul left. Uh, they, they burn, burn on the it, asphalt. But it's funny because I, I mentioned that, and then I just read this Facebook post that said they saw people everywhere with their shoes burned through. Which, oh, wow. And then they would just take them off. I kept mine on. It was probably a bad idea because it made it worse, I think. Um, but, yeah, they were saying like it happened to a lot of people, which I, I believe it. It's hot asphalt, and like, you're just standing on it all day. It's crazy. It was an awesome show, though. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I went to see a show late last week. Did you? I actually saw some Facebook or some uh, Instagram photos from this. I went to see the Psychedelic Furs. Is that? I thought it was something different. Was, did you see it, another it, show recently? It could have been something different. Yeah. Um, but the lead singer was awesome. Still sounded great, like a really unique voice. But I was just really thrown off by his look. And the other thing is I walked in, because I'm always like, on this show, I'm always like, oh, I'm old. I walked in, I was like, whoo, this is great. Like, Everyone here is like 65. <laughs> this is awesome. But uh, I was going to make a reference to what he looked like, but I don't think anyone here is going to get it. So he, he looked like he looked like uh, the lady from Cagney and Lacey, Cagney but, Ca- Lacey. but Cagney. That's not. I was trying uh, to come up Ty with a bunch Daly? of clones. He just had very like fluffy gray side part hair. Was that Tyne Daly or the other one? It was the other one, Sharon Glass. Oh. Oh, okay, but he sounded great. It was a great show. Highly recommend it. Great show.